0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center.
1: Good morning, everyone. September 11th, and we're back into our gardens. As we think of September as the second garden season, there are so many different things to plan for and to do. And sometimes, you know, that early morning uh, crispness that's to the air, it's kind of we're welcomed by this early darkness still, so it makes us want to snuggle in, but We know that there's tasks and the joy of being in our gardens. And today, I was kind of greeted, you know, every day. And when I come in, I'm greeted by the cats. And of course, the melody of the crickets. So the crickets are out. And, you know, we seem like we've gone from a season of grasshoppers to wasps and now the crickets. So it's a melody of songs. And as we think of it, we also think of the song of autumn which we have ventured into. So I have found a poem today that's actually called The Song of an Early Autumn. Please listen. When late in the summer the streams run yellow, burst the bridges and spread into bays, when berries are black and peaches are mellow, and hills are hidden by a rainy haze, when the goldenrod is golden still, by the heart of the sunflower is darker and sadder, when the corn is in stacks on the slope of the hill and slides over the path of the stripped adder. When butterflies flutter from clover to thicket or wave their wings on the drooping leaf. When the breeze comes shrill with the call of the cricket, grasshoppers rasp and rushle of sheath. When high in the field the fern leaves wrinkle and brown is the grass where the mowers have mown, The low of the meadow the cowbells tinkle. And the small brooks Crickle over stock and stone. When heavy and hollow The robin's whistle, The shadows are deep In the heat of the noon, And when the air is white With the down of the thistle, And the sky is red With the harvest moon. Oh, then be cherry, No time let slip, Not a moment wait, If the fiddle would play It not stopped its tuning, And they would wed, Must be done by the mooning, So let it churn rattle, See well to the cattle and pile the wood by the barnyard gate. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. We're going to go right to lines. I think Margie is waiting patiently. Good morning, Margie. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal?
0: I uh, grew a, I planted a, a rose uh this spring and I was just wondering how I can winter it over how can I what can I do over the winter to keep it so it doesn't die on me?
1: Okay. Um, first of all, I forgot to ask you where you're where you're calling from. I'm trying to see if I got some more pins on my board here. I'm, I'm from Portage. From Portage. Oh, hello. And I guess you guys had a bit of rain too last night. Yes, right? we did. Oh, that's good. The, you know what? The ground really needs it. Okay. Let's go to your rose. A, do you know what kind of rose it is? It will be a uh, gore, uh,
0: golden showers. If I, I, cause I kept the, the, the thing, but it doesn't really tell you what to do for it in the winter Tom. I just want should I cut it down or leave it and just cover it?
1: Okay, now is it a tea does it say if it's a tea rose? Cause no, I'm it's not, not a tea there. rose. No, so it's a hardy rose. That's yes, on there. It's, so it's, it's, it it's, it's a golden rose. showers rose climbing. Okay, so if, oh, okay, if it is a climbing rose, there's different aspects that you can do with it, because generally, if we take it back to a hardy shrub rose, we normally say that uh, to encourage at this time that if it's a new planting, I always like to give it a secondary little splash of bone meal to encourage additional root growth, so that you know that in the first year... um, you've probably heard me say before that if you have a really good foundation in your home it makes the upper core of your house and of your plant really good so concentrate on getting some more root development than it on it even though things are starting to go into its dormancy pattern we want to encourage that root systems are healthy so there's not much you can do for a regular rose that's on there, just let it defoliate with its leaves naturally. But because you have a climbing rose, sometimes uh, you can take some of that climbing matter down and lay it onto the ground a little bit to overwinter some of the longer limbs. Is it on a trellis or is it well, on it a... Well, it says
0: it's a climbing rose, but it doesn't really. It uh, it never did really climb. I don't think it is really a climbing rose because all it did was it looks like it's a regular rose bush.
1: Okay, all right, you know what? I'll I'll have to look that variety up. But if it's a regular rose bush that's on it, it let it go back naturally, um making sure that plants are well watered going into the winter is is key. If if it, if you do anything, it's like you need the moisture in the soil and then the soil and the water will lock up those roots to keep them nice and viable. I know you're kind of thinking, oh, the roots are going to freeze, but it's putting it in this sort of cryo pack that it kind of preserves the roots for the next year. So moisture is key because it helps uh, in prevention of, you know, winter kill further down onto that rooting system. Uh, if you want to, additional uh, things that you can do. Sometimes uh, people like to put extra mulch of clean healthy leaves around it as an added insulation factor that's to it you can do that uh, some people that have you know venture into tea roses and, or even want to make sure that they have added you can get rose cones that you can put over top of it but our hardy roses themselves if you have that leaf structure that's the added benefit and if you know in the area that you're in if you have um, higher levels of snow Snow is a great insulating factor. So I, do, I don't have to cut it down or anything then? No, I would not cut anything down in the first year after the first year's growth.
0: But I should cover it good with in the fall with leaves or straw or... Yeah,
1: you can do that. Uh, but hey, uh, you know what? It's it's winter preparation. There's so much to talk about it. Um, you don't want to put the leaf or straw too soon, because if you put it too soon, you're just keeping things warmer longer. Right. So you want to let everything naturally stay its course, cool down, let the earth freeze up a little bit, and then you can have those extra bags of nice crisp leaves that you can bank around it. And then once the snow falls, the added little layers are just going to give you that added benefit of more insulation that's on it. And you'll probably see um, the secondary portion of it is sometimes in the fall, you'll see that... Uh, On more mature roses, you'll have a growth that's to it. And all of a sudden, you'll get this random one branch that just shoots straight up, and you're thinking, what is this? Why am I getting this added little push of growth of these maybe one or two uh, tall, long stems that just make the plant look so disproportionate? This is sometimes where we're starting to see what are called water shoots, that the plant has energy, that it's pushing out this one big, random tall growth those can be cut back okay shaping I would leave and do the shaping in the in the spring in your case for next year okay yeah
0: I wasn't gonna excuse me I wasn't gonna put anything on it till after the first frost
1: yes and
0: then usually in the winter time he pushes snow up against it so it'll be covered with with snow till it till spring anyway
1: well, you know what? It's it's when we're looking at our gardens, and it's hard to say how much snowfall that we have from right. year to year, but using snow and putting snow on it is good. That's on it. Uh, just sometimes be careful if it's nice, fluffy snow that's on there, and if you're putting very heavy, wet snow on it, sometimes that could be a detriment because it could cause bending or eventually snapping of some of the branches. Right. And just a little shout out. I don't want to keep talking about snow, but it's coming And the other thing is, if it's uh, snow that is coming off of uh, walkways and driveways, you have to remember, even though you're not putting salt on maybe your own driveway, there are some residual salts that are going to be on your tires that are going to be on those areas too as well.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you do not want to put anything that's concentrated shovelings of salt onto gardens. Right. Okay. And there's a,
0: one more thing. um sure. You were talking about, uh, this one person was talking about cutworms one year. Yeah. And I used to have a lot of cutworms in my garden. And somebody told us when you do your garden, just till it once. Don't make a nice black dirt. Just till it enough to turn the soil over, and that way you'll be killing the eggs. And it well, yeah. works. It does work because I don't have no more cutworms in my garden.
1: Oh, wonderful. That's a good tip. Yeah. Very good tip. And I like that you rototill it and get it up there because what you're actually doing is bringing the eggs to the surface and they're freezing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. perfect.
0: That Just as long as you don't keep tilling them because then you're, you're burying them again. Just yeah. enough to just to turn the soil once and then just leave it and the, uh, that will kill the eggs.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much for that tip.
0: Oh, you're very welcome.
1: Okay, thank you for calling in to the Long Garden Journal. Kate.
0: Okay, Kate, bye.
1: bye-bye. We're going to go right back to the lines. Hetty is waiting. Good morning, Hetty. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from today? From Grunthal. From Grunthal. So I guess yep. you also had some nice moisture last night. Yes, we did a little bit. Not very uh, much, but
2: enough.
1: That's good. Oh, uh, that's good. How can we help you this morning? On the well, I have a very large poinsettia that I got last Christmas, and
0: I've had it on the deck, and I water it once a week in a in a big bowl. It, does, it takes as much as it wants. And uh, um, it looks it's just as big as it was, but of course it's all green now. I have to put it in the dark, but I don't know when and for how long, and
1: uh, to make okay. it bloom again. All right. Or is that is that
0: futile? Will not will that not work?
1: No, it will work because there's there are certain types of plants in our uh, different category. You know, like poinsettias. Uh, holiday cactus, whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, or Easter cactus, that are photo uh, sensitive and they need day-night timing that's on it that will set the transition for that change of color or for a blooming processes. And in the case of poinsettias, you know that the leaf structures are not usually the flowers. The flowers are the small bracts of the yellow uh, sort of centers of these leaves, uh, leaf structures. At maturity. So you were right on track. And I give you thumbs up for having it going and keep it going for the poinsettias. You remind me just of my mom who loves to keep things that keeps plants going. Good morning, mom. And uh, what you're going to do within the next probably two to three weeks, you're going to start transitioning this plant to an area in the home uh, so that you can start putting it in a room that has timed darkness. So you want to... I can hardly hear you. Uh, you you're have. Very, to be you're very. Uh, it oh. should be a little louder. Let me see if I can. Yeah, that's better. Up. That's better. It's better. Okay, there yes, you go. that's better. That's good. Mm-hmm. So what you're going to do is you're going to time it so that you can put it in a room that you have timed uh, day and night time hours. So if you can put it into a room that you know that is going to be completely darkness, let's say from eight o'clock to eight o'clock in the morning, or mm-hmm. the other thing that. Um, you know, here when we try to do it, we use night shading or shade cloth to give it that darkness. But a big box will work just as well. So if you can box it and put a cover that gives it that darkness, that will help you to set the program for it to start transitioning to a different color. So I would when, probably when does that start? Uh, I would probably say the bit, you should be setting it. You need six to seven weeks, I think, is if my memory goes oh, in I see, there. Okay. So anytime soon so uh-huh. you should yeah you November
2: could. no maybe earlier
1: earlier earlier yeah. I would start doing it in uh you know because why not have if it if you have it red earlier hey that's yeah. gorgeous because color at any time in the in the home where you can add it is mm-hmm. an added benefit okay. okay so then yeah so I put it in the dark for how long eight hours uh, a day or oh no you have to have it for at least six to eight hours okay, okay. six to eight hours yeah okay, but not total darkness like not twenty four hours total darkness no not twenty four no. hours of total you want a timed a daytime night and the reason always why we're, the same okay, always the same, and the okay. reason why we're doing this is because uh in nature itself, these plants get timed day to night neutral, whereas if we have it in a house, we're always mm-hmm. turning lights on at different times, so that can have mm-hmm. that interruption, so you okay. want to have it as. You know, like these plants will transition color by themselves because we have to remember poinsettias are native to Mexico. This is where we originally mm-hmm. got these plants from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they, in nature, where they're growing, you know, in fields, they will get that change because naturally the sunlight always goes at that darkness at a certain time. All right? Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Yeah. So that, and that the, should work. Okay. It should work. I'll, and the other thing I'll too. I'll give I, it a try. Yeah. Um, also, if you're bringing up a house plant from outdoors, indoors, just mm-hmm. remember to be, uh, diligent to give it a nice little wash off. If the, if it's a beautiful day outside, rinse your plants off with water and don't forget mm-hmm. to do the undersides of the leaves because we know that the, a leaf can act like an umbrella where the bugs can harbor on the undersides of leaves. Mm-hmm. So when you bring them indoors, they could still be there. Okay?
2: All right, we'll give All, right. Time.
1: all okay. right. thank you all very right. much. Okay, You're- bye-bye. Bye, Hedy. Thank you very much for calling in the Lawn and Garden Journal. And this is the time where we're starting to see some of the temperatures dipping. So this is actually the call to action to say, okay, am I wanting to bring in my hibiscus? Am I wanting to bring in my jasmine and all these beautiful plants? But again, we don't want to bring in the critters. So you could do a little bit of a rinse on the soils too as well, as well sorry, um, diatomaceous earth on the soil. So if you have any creepier crawlers, blast it off. And once you've rinsed it with water, you may even uh, do a little bit of a, a soapy wash or an insecticidal soap wash that's on it. And just remember to keep a little eye on it because you may have uh some remnants of some uh, eggs that are on there. So as soon as you do see some issues with some of these plants that are coming indoors, that's the best time to say, I'm going to be proactionary and I'm going to get it all taken care of so that you don't have further spreading. And of course, if the plants are small enough, a nice little wash in the shower, but remember, bag the plant so that the uh, soil is not getting moist and running down the drain. That would be a mucky mess. But A nice rinse in the shower is always beneficial for our house plants too as well. We're going to go right to lines. Reinhold is uh, waiting. Hi, good morning.
3: Morning, Carla.
1: Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning?
3: I'm calling from North Caldonan in Winnipeg, so the opposite end of the city from St. Mary's Nursery.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit. I know exactly where you are. I've been out there quite a bit. Um, It's a beautiful sunny day in Winnipeg, and it's a beautiful day to be up and talking about gardening.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now, the the reason why I'm calling is um, I had actually read in the newspaper the obituary about a family friend and it talked about how she did geranium cuttings that she had done all the way back from her mother and her grandmother. So she had propagated geraniums for over 40 years now already.
2: Oh my now, gosh. I know
3: my mom used to do geranium cuttings, but she's no longer alive, and she never showed me how to do it. So how do I go about doing that?
1: Okay. Well, you're going to do your cuttings in the spring if you're wanting to oh. do it. Sorry? Okay. So most of the times when we start doing our cuttings, we'll do it in the spring. Um, if you're wanting, if you have some mature plants that you can bring yes. indoors and uh, overwinter those. Um, you're just okay. bringing back memories to myself where my grandmother in uh, Gainsborough, Saskatchewan, she had a little sewing freezer room, and she always, always had two big geranium plants that she kept overwinter so that she did the exact same thing. So right. when you're – and you'll probably find that as we bring – just like our tropical plants, in if we're trying to bring in some annuals that we can do some cuts from for the next year's season, right. that They will, they basically right now won't be as vigorous and lush that's on it. But as you see next year, starting in uh, March, if you can get as much bright light on these and you see active growth happening on these plants, you okay. will take sli- you'll take slips off the new growth. So it's going to be off the soft tissue. Okay. Okay. So if we, there's kind of a process that's on it. It, What you need to do is at least um, take uh, a lead or a stem or branch of the new growth. And you want to have at least three or four leaf sets that are down on some of the stemming that's on it.
3: Okay. Right. So
1: you would remove the lowest leaf sets with a very nice sharp knife to make a clean Got cut. It. okay. Yeah, yep. and then you need a rooting hormone, which some people use rooting hormones, some people don't, but I think um, you may have a better success if you use the rooting hormone and then you put it in a we- well-drained uh, potted medium, like a grower's okay. mix for good drainage, okay. okay? Yeah. Okay. And
3: Now, question, does yeah. St. Mary's, sell that growing medium because I know a lot of stores that used to sell plant stuff and that don't carry it anymore.
1: Oh yeah, we um you know what? If you call the garden center, I think I saw the area uh, a few weeks ago and there were still some there, but if you call okay. a shop and ask, uh I'm sure one of the one of our gals at the front desk will check to make sure that if you're going to make the trip down that we do have it for you.
3: Okay. And the- Yep, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, because when I got my geraniums um this spring, I mean they were they were huge. I couldn't believe how big they were already. And this would have been right around Mother's Day, but the plant was already about eight inches high and had three blooms on it that were like four inches across. And I bought six of them. So I had three white and then three pink. But it's pink and white mixed together in the blooms. They're just beautiful. But they did not do well in July or August in the heat at all.
1: You know what? It was a very trying summer with the heat. Yeah, I can understand that. yeah. Yeah.
3: But in the last two weeks since the temperatures got cold... My God, they're huge. Like, my plants are between 12 and 14 inches tall, and the bloom alone, if you spread your hand, your fingers as wide as you can, that's probably, what, about seven, eight inches wide? Yeah. That's how wide the blooms are. I've never seen geraniums that big.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's... I honestly believe, like, I, I love, put it this way, I love spring because it, it's rejuvenating, it brings you lift, it gives you energy. Yep. Summer is hard, especially with the excessive heat and lack of moisture. It causes, mm-hmm. it causes a stress on plants. And we know yeah. that, but geraniums, oh my gosh, they are the workhorses. They can actually go to a point where, they, they will have resilience to hold their leaf structure and the structure of the plant. They may right. wane a little bit on their blossoming, but they are, yep. they are yes. such strong plants. And yep. we see that. Um, I see it visually at the front of our building because we planted bubblegum pink petunias along our fence line. And all summer we were watering diligently, diligently. Yep. And there was yep. a little, the flowers were okay. But, oh my gosh, everyone comes in and looks at the flowers and they go, what is that petunia? Because it just keeps going and it doesn't need deadheading. So there yep. is a re-energy. And if you see in certain gardens, um if you've allowed some of your lettuce seeds to drop, you're going to see that you now have a secondary or third third uh, new energy of lettuce, fresh lettuce coming up. I have some mm. growing in a rock bed that's close to one of my other planters, you know. So... This coolness that's in the air gives us back the energy to think, yes, it's awesome. The flowers are looking gorgeous. And just remember, uh, traditionally, you know, by Halloween, the gardens are empty. But even last year, there's a lot of flower beds that had geraniums and petunias going right past Halloween that still looked beautiful.
3: Yeah. The one other thing that I planted along with it is, I don't know if it's called ornamental potato root, like they're either like that rich, rich brownish red or that lime green yellow color. Yes. And I planted those in my planters with the geraniums. And they were so-so, but the last two weeks they have doubled in size. I mean, the vines are going all the way down to the ground. They're just incredible.
1: Yeah, is there
3: anything that I can do with those to save those?
1: You can treat. You can try and treat that as a house plant to indoors. But oh. again, um, that that family of plants is called Ipomea. and okay. um, that is a nice category or a class of uh, potato ornamental potato. They will produce actually. If you dig up, you'll find little tubers that are on the backside. So you yes. can either save the tubers yeah. like a potato, or okay. If you have a a really nice, bright, bright room, just where your dreams are going to be going to, is you can try and keep sort of activated like a little house plant going on those. They sometimes, I'm going to be honest, they don't look the prettiest because they're not normally a house plant, but I have known some people that have kept the plant going through the winter.
3: Okay. Okay. Can I just bug you quick for one other question? I have rhubarb plants from my parents' garden, and it's got to be at least about, well, it's over 20 years old. And I did divide the root about five years ago and got two big bushes out of it. Is there anything special I should be doing with the rhubarb before winter?
1: Um, you know what? I would say if you successfully have a 20-year-old rhubarb plant and you've divided it and it's five years ago, you've got two, I think yep. I think you're doing pretty good. And uh, just let it go back into dormancy by itself. And again, make sure that your rooting system on all your plants has a good moisture base before going into winter.
3: Okay. Thank okay. you so much, Carla.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling in, okay?
3: Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too.
1: Bye-bye. And the importance too, Reinhold, and everyone else, make sure when we're in our gardens, we're cleaning up any uh, leaves or debris or anything that's fallen that has a slight disease on it, so it makes it nice and clean. It's a beautiful morning to be talking about what to do in our gardens. We're going to go right back to lines. Pauline is waiting. Good morning, Pauline. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Winnipeg. Yeah, well, hello there. Hi, Hi. I, I have a question.
4: I have a raspberry bush. I think it's called Sweet Queen. It's an orange raspberry, but even in the springtime, it seems like something's eating the leaves off it. Like they are, they look like a screen after they're finished, you know, like all the leaf seems to be eaten just the, the I guess the veins of the leaf are left.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, is that
1: I can spray or is it something... You know that's uh you can spray um a lot of times you'll get a bug that will um on the structure of a leaf there's the top green the bottom it's almost like an epidermis that's on there, and it will actually chew the green chlorophyll type and keep the veining structure it's it looks like uh, dragonfly wings, if I ever you know that lacy kind of clear transition transis- yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh you could have thrip that's on there. Uh, You could uh, have—I can't remember the name of the other bug that sort of chews on top of that—but you can spray uh, for it if you want. uh, Is it happening while there's fruit on the on on your uh, raspberries, or is it prior? Uh, It started early spring, and uh, yeah,
4: seems to be carrying on yet, like now too. Some uh, are not all of
1: them, but it's more so in the spring. It was quite quite uh, Prevalent, significant. Yeah. Okay, in so if you're wanting to, you can use a diatomaceous powder that's on it uh, to try uh-huh. and get it, but the, the thing is too, when you see this happening, we have to take action at the early stages, uh, uh-huh. because if you can control it, so it's a powder that you can uh, uh, put onto the leaf structure that's on uh-huh. it. And uh, as the little guy is sort of munching and chewing away, if he eats this or crawls through this, it's going to cause a detriment to them. So um, if you see it in one particular area of your row of raspberries, you want to make sure you target that spot first before it sort of travels throughout. uh, Because we know that, yeah, we know that. Okay. And uh, another question
4: is... do, do, do the new plants produce next year and the old ones, do we have to cut them down? Because the they, last year's growth kind of died down like, so I don't know if it's because of the drought or is it normal for them to uh, grow one year, produce the next and
1: then die down? Well, it depends on the raspberry because some raspberries are primocanes and the other ones are are uh, producing on new wood and some produce on old wood. So it's uh-huh. understanding which raspberries that you have that's on there. It's the orange one. It's I think it's called Sweet Queen. Sweet Queen? That one I'm not too sure. But uh-huh. uh, if um, I could, if you leave your phone number with uh-huh. uh, Sasha here, I can look that one up to definitely find out for you if it is a primocane or not. Okay. Okay. Uh All right. And this is the time too, that if you're finding even on your raspberries, as they kind of defoliate in the fall, this Uh brings us into the uh, care of it. So when it's defoliated, it's actually a good time when you get into the raspberries, if you see any old canes at all that are brittle and snappy and, you know, just not viable anymore. Um, Uh Definitely the ones that are brittle and snap right away. Yeah. I would be removing those. It kind of makes next spring's work a little bit lighter if it, if it right. takes uh-huh. some of them out. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank okay. you for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And this is the care, like not only are we looking at how to deal with insects, bringing houseplants indoors, soon we're going to be venturing into when we're going to be doing our pruning and as well. And I do, before we go to Lorette, I know you're waiting. This is the time where we have to start thinking about prevention of insects that are going into the upper canopy of trees. So on your garden diaries that you're in there you should have somewhere down a text that says i need to get some tree band and some paste going so that we can prevent uh the moths that have gone down into the ground to produce the larvae and then soon that larvae is going to be traveling up into our trees and and overwintering the trees we want to stop that cycle so a little thing to do, visit your garden centers and get some banding and some sticky paste because it's going to be that time soon before we have to get that going on our trees. Let's go right to the lines. Lorette is waiting. Hi, Lorette. Hi. Hi. I have a question about passion flower. Sure. I started
2: them from seeds. I have three plants. They're vigorous. They climb, one is about six feet, the other one is about eight, and the other one about ten. Now they don't look as if they're going to flower
1: time. Wow, okay, that's tall, okay. What colors are they of the passiflora
2: it, it, on the on the envelope, see the envelope, it's looked like purplish and white,
1: okay, all right, beautiful. If you have the vigor that's and now are you able to bring these indoors, or did you plant them direct out in the garden?
2: No, well, I had them direct in the garden, and okay. they're on the uh, the fence.
1: Okay. Um chain link yeah, fence. Yeah. Usually with some pas- passive floors, they sometimes take a little bit longer to, A, get established, but they should be starting. There could have been a break in cycle because, as you heard earlier in conversation, the heat stress that we did observe or have this summer caused a lot of plants to go in sort of a shutdown mode We saw that with uh, less pollination of some flowers and blooming, uh, heat stress that also caused lack of of maturity on some fruits, and even some flowers didn't even perform as better because of the heat. The other things that may cause lack of blooming is uh, in areas where we have too much richness to our soil. So... Did you add any extra fertilizer or manures or anything to those areas? No, I
2: have compost in my garden.
1: Compost. Okay. Well, compost shouldn't do it. It's, uh, we mostly see if people are just a little bit too heavy on the, the horse manure or steer manure that goes in there that's too rich that's on it. I would probably say it might be tied to, um, heat stress that maybe cause this delay that's on it. Are you going to lift and bring indoors?
2: Well, it's all intertwined in, in
1: defense. Yeah. Well, you could do a little bit of uh, uh, slips too. You could do some cuttings and try and bring some of the early cuttings in to keep it going. But unfortunately, um, you know, some people on some garden sites that belong in some Facebook areas, um, some people have, I've noticed some people commenting that some of either, even their morning glories are just starting to bloom now. So I have a feeling that it might have been the environmental factor that delayed it for you.
2: The morning glories at the other end of the same fence, yeah, when 15 feet further down, they're, they're blooming and they're, they're, they're blooming.
1: nice. Okay, well, then we might take it back a stage and go back to maturity that's in there because some plants just need that extra booster going through on it. So, um, there, I don't know what else. Um, did you see formation? Okay, just now that you got me thinking, did you ever see formation of buds, bud oh, sets? No, happening?
2: It, it, it's different and then it's another leaf and then it's another leaf
1: okay yeah yeah okay all right you've got me sort of thinking about what else there could be
2: to take Um, slips,
1: how would i do it uh you would take a section of the vine that's on it and just like your geraniums you want to be able to uh, remove a couple bottom leaf sets because whenever you remove a leaf set uh, off of the node, off the main stem, that eventually will come a root set where roots will emerge. So with yours, you can either put it in soil, but I would probably say put it in water to root it in water versus the geraniums would go into a soil or a little peat puck. You know, sometimes we sell these expandable little peat pucks that have moisture that could be sticked into it, which is a terminology for for rooting. But with your passiflora, you could uh, try soil or do it in water like you would a uh, spider plant or something like that, okay?
2: How long of a section should I cut out?
1: Well, you want at least two or three ne- leaf nodes that can go into a water bin. You might have to make a little circle for it to go down into that. But if you take it right from uh very end tip, the nodes seem to be a little bit closer together, okay?
2: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. bye Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in. Now, before, I know that I'm watching the clock here, and Sasha's going to soon say, yikes, we're out of time. But we had some questions last week about onion soft rot. And actually, there was a lady that brought me in some onion sets. And I actually wanted to talk about garlic. You should smell the area that I'm in. I've got this collage of Onions that I've cut up to sort of investigate what's inside the onions. And I also have samplings of like 12 different varieties of garlic. And it just reminds me, my husband is the cook in the family and he is such a culinary aspect. He treats me so well so these delicious dinners. It smells like the kitchen happening where he's cooking. But we were talking about the onion soft rot. So we know, and there's samples that are here. There's actually uh, one that she brought me that is actually... Uh, There's white rot, and then there's actually another one where you see that the white mold that's happening on the bottom of it. So when we get diseases on our onions, um, we have this aspect that it can be caused by that's existing in the soil. And some of the other portions of it is that we will get a bug that will start to eat away at some of the plants that then causes an injury for this disease to go into it. So unfortunately, bacterial soft rot is not a thing to treat. And again, treatment for it is for making sure that you're doing crop rotation. Make sure that when you're hoeing around your onions, you're not adding an extra uh, little chip into the onion that causes the bug to go in there to cause the beginnings of these diseases. All right. Thank you for all your calls today. I know that there's a number of you that we did not get to because the answers are, are big. So please keep your questions. Call me next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.